Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. If you know me, you know how obsessed I am with live performance. To me, nothing replaces being in a theater and the lights going down and the orchestra starts to play and that first moment of magic. And I know the way I feel about theater, some people feel about sports or opera or dance or comedy or food. And what if there was a place that you could go and find out which live events are going on near you that night, and then for a discount price, you can get off your couch, put down that clicker, and experience the magic that is live performance. Well, there is a place, goldstar.com. You just go to that website, you type in your city, and every amazing live event will be listed at discount prices. Theater, dance, comedy, film, food, concerts, sports. No more staying home. You are going to go out and build memories and experiences that expand your mind and heart through live performance with goldstar.com. Goldstar is in 26 cities around the country with over 8 million members already signed up to find out what event is going on near you. So go to goldstar.com. Get out of your house and build memories that are magic for you and your family. Expand your mind, expand your hearts. Go see live performance by using goldstar.com. Tell them Alana sent you. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Alana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, after winning a Tony Award and taking New York by storm, she decided to press pause, change her life, move to the Midwest, and see what lay in store for her. Well, now she's back and she has taken New York by storm once again. Welcome Karen Olivo to the podcast. A-OK. everyone, my guest today is the Tony Award-winning actress Karen Olivo. Karen's Broadway credits include In the Heights, West Side Story, Brooklyn, and Moulin Rouge. She played grown-up Allison in Fun Home in Madison, Wisconsin, and Angelica Schuyler in the Chicago production of Hamilton. Some of her film and television credits include The Good Wife, Criminal Mind, Suspect Behavior, Chase, Law and Order and Law and Order SVU, and Conviction. When she is not on Broadway, she lives in Madison, Wisconsin, where she teaches and directs and coaches. And you can listen to her gorgeous voice on her solo album, Leave. I am obsessed with you. <laughs> and welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I am so thrilled. I mean, I there are so many things to talk about. Um, I want to just start with Moulin Rouge. 
personally, that movie was so special to me mm-hmm. because I was doing a play with my husband and I knew that I was in love with him, but I didn't know how to be around him, which is how I knew I was in love with him because suddenly I I'm love, a pretty articulate person. I love that. Could not put a sentence together. Was constantly <gasps> pretending I'm like doing my equity like paperwork, like anything. <gasps> but I had heard him tell someone that he had seen the movie that week and I had seen the movie that week and I was like, Hey, I saw Moulin Rouge. Did you like it? He's like, I loved it. He's like, it surprised me how much I loved it. And that was the beginning of our, like, during 10 out of 12, singing the songs as if we are, you know, in that case, Jude Law and Nicole Kidman. And just sort of this whole thing happened. Yeah. So cut to I'm at the theater seeing your show. Mm -hmm. I bring with it my own love story. And that was the gateway to me being able to start a conversation with a man that I've been married to for 18 years now. Um, And then I see you and you turn this thing on its head in a way that I cannot believe one human being is doing that. It's not a film. There are no cuts. We are not back to one. You are doing this night after night and you are breaking hearts and bringing joy and you are so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah, so wow. how did this, because um, this is in some ways a departure from things you've done before and in some ways the perfect blend of everything you've done before. How did this come to you, this this role? Uh, it came to me by someone calling me and saying that they wanted me to audition and me thinking that they were calling the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Um, I too, huge, huge fan of the movie. Um did not really know that I would ever have a life with it because, uh, you know, for all of us who saw it and all of us who love the medium, uh, live theater, that was like one of the first times that I had seen a contemporary version of my medium put Mm. on a big screen. Yeah. And so I knew that it was... Ewan McGregor. I said Jude Law. Yeah, but it's okay. It's all right. Sorry, Ewan. (laughs) Oh my gosh. But your brain, hi. She was like, I'm not going to let this one go. Wait a minute. I just was like, why am I saying the wrong? Jude Law is also beautiful, just yeah. for the record. Yes. Two, okay. Also also beautiful. <laughs> Please continue. Um, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but I I, uh, I knew that it was mine because it was my medium, you know, like I could be a fan of it and I should love it as much as I did. I didn't know that it would be a part of my life. Um, you know... I I think the only reason it is is because they wanted to change things around a little bit. I think that they knew, you know, Alex Timbers is great and he and... The director. Yes. um, And Boz, they both are... Lerman, also the director. Right, sorry. (laughs) Um, Are they your friends now? Is um, Boz a friend? I don't know Boz very very well. I've met him a handful of times, but I do feel very comfortable with him. Um, Alex, I would consider in, you know... I'm very friendly with, and I think over more time, we will definitely be considered friends. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in this day and age, you need a couple of years before you can say, yeah, that's my friend. Sure. Um, but I love him, adore him, and think the world of him. Uh, they're really, when it came to that, to the show, bringing it to the stage, I think that they also knew, because they're both innovators, things had to shift in certain ways. And so... Having me as Satine is the biggest shift mm-hmm. um, and letting it get dark and letting it get dirty, um, knowing that the the theater that you would walk into would be like this incredible 
mystical underworld jewel box that you would never want to leave. Yeah. Um, having it, uh, having the underbelly be very sort of seedy and uh, gritty, I think was what they were looking for tonally. It's so raw. It is very so raw. raw. And, and, and also so gorgeous at yeah. the same time. So you're like, why am I so upset and so happy? <laughs> What's, what is this? I've never had like so much life. fun watching someone exactly. fall apart. <laughs> exactly. But in beautiful, beautiful costumes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, you know, I so think you that, auditioned. that was it. Yeah, just like anyone else. I did a, I was in Chicago at the time doing Hamilton. And I just did like a little, I did a Skype audition because I couldn't get on a plane. And I think I sang like a song and I did two scenes. So there a song from the show? No, I didn't do a song from the show because I am uh I didn't really know anything that was going to be in the show. Right. Like I know no pop tunes. How how many songs? The thing you guys, if you see it or if you can't get to New York, there will be clips on YouTube or Tony Award uh performances. Yeah. I, I think there are like a hundred songs that we know. It's so like overwhelming. I, it goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. Yeah. I think there was just an interview with Justin Levine, our more, our yep. music orchestrator, who said something. Maybe he said 71. Um, he, I might have. I might be misquoting. No, no, no. But if whatever it's something the crazy. number, it just starts with a song you know, and then it keeps going through mm-hmm. every amazing song you've ever known. I had the craziest thing happen this summer on Martha's Vineyard. I met Lord. Oh, <laughs> who, cool. By the way, her, she's Emma. Oh, Ella, Ella. Ella. I was introduced to Ella, and I'm like, God, she's lovely. Who is this person? And then uh, my friend is sort of mouthing to me, she wrote Royals. She wrote Royals. And I'm like, what? Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Another song that's in this list of incredible songs. This is like probably not your jurisdiction, but like how do you get 70 of the most famous popular songs of all time in one show? Like – I'm scared to even hum my own theme song from Charlie Brown that I did, and it is my voice on the album. I'm going to get sued at any moment, right? So, like, how does that work? Uh, It's the magic of Justin Levine, who did all of the licensing. Uh, And I think that he spent years, uh, I want to say maybe two years, really, uh, wrangling all of these people together and and working with them. Yeah, And also, like, he had to pick the songs i don't even understand we are not worthy justin levine he is incredible i mean he picked songs that i like i said before i don't know a lot of pop music yeah so we're going to talk about that in a minute i know it's really strange right one would think that you would (laughs) no no, 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 where your voice lies and how Mm. how perfectly in sync you are with all these songs so that's now but i think the reason i'm in sync with them now is because he picked songs that the character would need to sing okay and did they pick songs once you were cast that would fit in your voice or no they were there a lot of songs were already there i think firework came on after me i can't believe you sing that it's so good (laughs) it's so good um i think there were a handful of other songs that came and went, but I, for the most part, I think everything was already in place. So you're doing a Skype audition while you're doing the the part that every young woman and man sing in their shower True. or in their car or walking their dog. Yeah. Uh, you are Angelica Schuyler at yeah. the time, um, which in some ways, I guess, is a really good head to be in for, the, for Santine, right? Santine? Satine. Satine. Um, 
maybe they're not that far apart in no. some ways. Oh, gosh. No, they're actually incredibly close. Uh, two women who are underrated, who use their brains to get what they need mm-hmm. in the world, who use their feminine wiles to make sure that they can, uh, you know, sail through the landscape of the patriarchy. Yeah. Um, y- they're very, very similar. One comes from a lot and one comes from nothing, but sometimes it, it, you're, uh, you're alienated for those two reasons. Mm. So there's a lot of similarities in both of them, I think. So, I, I mean, I buried the lead. Yes, she also got to play Angelica Schuyler <laughs> um, because even going further back, you were Vanessa I was. In a little show called In the Heights. Yeah. Um, and you did Tick, Tick, Boom with Lin-Manuel Miranda mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So that relationship is is a long last. When we talk about friendship mm-hmm. and sort of what you have to put into something time-wise, in my deep dive research, like loving living with you on my computer, in my head, and in the theater, <laughs> I would say if all the things I watch, listen to, although your album is blowing my mind. It's so oh. beautiful. Um you and Mandy Gonzalez mm-hmm. did a Facebook Live yeah. at the time when you were both rehearsing Angelica Schuyler at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, when it ended, like, after 30 minutes, I wept. I was like, why can't I just watch these two women, these two friends, who were rehearsing at the same time yeah. for the same part? Yeah. Did you guys rehearse together? Like, how did that work when she went into the... Broadway production and you into the Chicago production. It actually worked out really well. I had been signed on to do a show in Austria. I was doing the Salzburg Festival with Cecilia Bartoli. Cool. And I I did the Whitson Festival and the Salzburg Festival. And both of those festivals are at either end of the year. And so the time in which I was supposed to be with Hamilton was truncated because of it. Okay. But they needed to put up the Chicago company. And they knew that they were moving Mandy into the Broadway company. So Tommy Kale and his brilliance was like, hey, why don't you guys tag team? So you can come in. And when you leave, she'll basically pick up where you left off. And she'll build the show with the Chicago company. And then you'll come back and you'll play catch up. And so she was rehearsing with the Chicago company. And then she would also rehearse with the long-standing New York company? Yeah, she would go back. She, I think she she mounted it with the Chicago company in the rehearsal room, so okay. she got all the rehearsal. That's so interesting. Yeah. Um, it's funny, too. She would send me videos of choreography. <laughs> They'd teach it to her, and then she would have someone, and she'd send it to me in Austria, and I would be like, okay, trying to learn my in part from Mandy. Room. Yeah, right. of course. Um, Dance Captain Mandy. Just like, how sweet. Um, and then I think she got her put in with the actual Broadway company and then slowly moved into that company. And then you came back and and Yeah, when I showed, like, up, I showed up. Mandy, Karen, Mandy, Karen. No, I know, right? Um, I showed up and they were already in full runs. So I knew the lyrics uh, and I knew the music. Like I knew the – and roughly where I entered and where I exited. And then anything else uh, choreography-wise – I'm really good. I have incredible follow skills. Like I can see somebody out of the corner of my eye and I can do whatever they're doing. What? I don't retain it. Have you been doing a lot of the TikTok videos that the kids are doing? No, 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 no. That's a whole other level. (laughs) That's like a whole. Yeah. Um, But so I just basically, I fudged my way through most of those runs uh, until someone sat down with me. I think it was Stephanie Clemens. And she gave me like, this is... This is what you're supposed to be doing this physically. This is the actual. Yeah. I'm laughing because I'm imagining you like somehow getting a lazy Susan into your Salzburg apartment oh so that you're, 
can like practice oh, the rotating. There is no practicing of the turntable. turntable. That turntable is ferocious. There's no practicing. You have to just ride that horse. Yeah. Yeah. And just be confident and hope that it stays under you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You s- say a couple of prayers before you step out onto that thing. Were you as obsessed as the rest of us? Uh, with that cast recording oh. as as audience to it? I have the best experience because, you know, all of my friends were in it. I knew most of that cast from sure. In the Heights and other things. And I I was able to be a full fan, got to go to opening night. I didn't know any of the inner workings. Uh, I got to see all of my friends build this incredible behemoth. Yeah. And I and just shine. Yeah. And then I, I got to experience it like everyone else did. Mm-hmm. And then I got to live the dream of actually getting inside and figuring out how it worked. And and what is that? Uh, it is so intricate. It is so layered. Um, it It's kind of, it, you know, it is what everyone thinks it is. You know, it's um, it's one of a kind. It's no a one, masterwork. In yeah, no one's way. ever done yeah. that. And I think specifically, I mean, obviously the the, the history woven into rap, but then I, I, I'm i a very physical person, even though I'm not the best mover or dancer, I understand story mm-hmm. through movement. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the most brilliantly told stories physically. And you only, and it's something that you you get sort of um, subconsciously almost. You're seeing things happen out of the corner of your eye and they inform you about a story emotionally. Yeah. And when you get to learn it and you have Andy, um, Andy Blankenbuehler, yeah. the choreographer. I'm, yeah. trying to, I'm trying to be like you Thank now. Thank you. Only for like someone, <laughs> the one person who There's may not know. One tiny, we, tiny yes. person. And that's in a the new listener. Welcome. Hi. Someone who didn't Welcome. Know who, who Andy Blankenbuehler is. <laughs> He's the choreographer of many Lin-Manuel Miranda projects. Uh, when he explains to you why the hand goes to the shoulder and you look down, all of these things are story driven. Mm-hmm. And so that was something for me that was such an Easter egg. Um, and I think that no one does it. No one's done choreography in that way before. Right. Well, when, you know, for for people who, if their if their gateway drug to Lin is... Hamilton, mm-hmm. what they don't know if they haven't seen, listened to, or known of In the Heights, that his ability to rap and tell a story about a protagonist and let us know who he is in his world through rap, a non, a non, you know, historical, real person, mm-hmm. but Usnavi, Usnavi, uh, yeah. in some ways is the is the precursor to Hamilton. It is, um, and the way Lynn starts that show in the center of this world and lets us know what's about to unfold. And then slowly we meet the people that would be his salvation and his heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of amazing to see where the seeds were sown and and how much, you know, it, it's no small thing. We all know that Lynn is married to someone named Vanessa, Vanessa yeah. and your character in, in the Heights was named Vanessa. Mm-hmm. Um, and we like to think that uh, those two the fictional and the real person are are intricately woven in some way um, in that love story. Mm-hmm. So before we get to In the Heights, which is how many of us in the Broadway community got to meet you um, and learn of your talent and your just specialness, um, it's, it's a curious thing for people who can sing. Um, 
it's rare that it wasn't something they did for a very long time. Maybe they had to learn to dance later in order to be in a show, but the singing mm -hmm. uh, was usually a part of their lives early on. And there was a moment where whether they figured it out or the world told them that they did it better than most people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for Kristen Chenoweth, who sat in that chair, she was in church and she's like, why are people clapping? Like, that does, right? you know what I mean? Like, that's sweet. Right? Like, because yeah. suddenly there's this realization that this is a gift. You've been given a gift. Right. Um, do you have a recollection of sort of your own discovery of your voice? Uh, I used to sing a lot in the back seat of the car when we were driving places. And where was that? Where um, did you drive and where is your childhood? We, well, I I grew up, I'm from New York. I was born in the South Bronx uh, when I was like seven or eight or so. I guess I moved down to uh, Central Florida. So my parents uh, driving around in their car would sometimes just hear me in the background making up songs. Mm -hmm. And I remember a couple of times my mom saying, you know, where did you hear that? And I said, well, you know, I made that up. And then they would ask me sometimes to sing when I was in the back of the car. Do you have siblings? I do. An older sister who's like an incredible brain and um, uh, does perform, but uh, only did so because our, we were a theater family. Mm -hmm. My dad, a director. Um, in the theater, In did you move to Florida because of directing work for him? No, or? you know, my dad's just like a, he was a visual artist. He also, um, he started a theater company here in New York in a church basement. So really early on, we were always involved in the yeah. theater in some capacity. And was your mom also a, a theater lover? She was. She wanted to be a fashion designer. She did a lot of uh, designing of costumes and she did a lot of stage managing and she did props and, you know, she did all the things that you would if your husband was a director. Yeah. Um, but they're piecemealing together a living living and working in the theater. Yeah, you know, they were working. I think I, at the time when we were first in New York, my dad was working as um, an art therapist. So he was, uh, he would be the person that went to uh, these sort of avant-garde schools that had either kids that were coming out of uh, juvie programs or special needs. And he would come in a couple of days a week and he would do art projects with them and try to reach them. And... He did most of his work that way. My mother worked as a receptionist for a plastic surgeon. Um, do you happen to have that number? I mean, I'm asking for a friend. It's Dr. Zismore. Do you know? <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah. Jeffrey Zismore, yeah. who you would see on the subway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's who my mother used to work for. Oh, my God. I'm not kidding. I have his number then. We're good. <laughs> Is he still? I feel like he'd be shaky. I don't know if it would be the best time. 50 years later. <laughs> Maybe just want a little, just a little. Maybe pass down everything, you know. <laughs> Jeffries is more junior. Holy crap! Yeah, this is the best little known fact. I was going to ask you later for a little known fact, but I don't even know if we need one now. Okay, if yeah. you live in New York, guys, you know what I mean. And if not, it, just imagine the most iconic a poster you saw every single day on the bus or some, you know bench that you sat on. That is Dr. Jeffries is more. Yeah. So she was working for him. He's a real person. Yep. And. And why did they move to Florida? Well, we were in the South Bronx in a time in which most of the girls that were teenage years were coming out pregnant. Okay. We were very religious too, Spanish Pentecostal. So is Oliva your, your real name? Oliva is my father's name. Yeah. And and so where was your dad's family from and where was your mom's my, family from? My father's family is from the Puerto, uh, 
from Puerto Rico. My mother's family is from the Dominican Republic. Okay. But did they meet in New York? They did. They were both working at Montefiore Hospital, I believe. And they were born in the U.S.? No. Okay. Yeah. My dad in Puerto Rico, my mother in Dominican Republic. So did they come as little kids or Both little kids. Okay. And are there... So great. I'm sorry. I know I said 45 minutes. It's so totally your jacket. You're here for a while. <laughs> it's so um, fine. <laughs> wait, were your grandparents here too? Yes. My grandparents, um, I, I'm not really sure how my grandmother and my grandfather got here. Uh, I know, I'm pretty sure they brought my, my father was the firstborn of three. Okay. And he came very young here. So they probably met in Puerto Rico and then moved here. Okay. That's – I'm going to – I'm We're going to fact check. We're going to phone a friend in a yeah, minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little shoddy on that right yeah. there. My mother – I knew um, – my mother's mother came here uh, early on and she had left her two boys and my mother in the Dominican Republic with her mother. Mm-hmm. To start a life. And then she realized that uh, she was going to bring her eldest son to help her sort of work and make money. Uh, But they realized a girl, the youngest girl, my mother, was getting into all manner of craziness down in the Dominican Republic. And my my great-grandmother said, you need to take your daughter with you to New York. Wow. Keep her safe. Okay. So my mother came very young. I want to say anywhere from like eight maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was probably eight, just starting. In, she was in grade school. She did not speak the language. So she came to New York City, was put straight into this New York City school system and had no English whatsoever and learned. Wow. How wild that you ended up doing In the Heights, which was a oh. show that just so beautifully highlighted those stories. Because it's so unimaginable if you haven't gone through that. Oh, yes. But that show comes really close to both romanticizing and showing the truth of what that yearning is. Yes, absolutely. You know, and West Side Story. Oh, totally. Tony Award winning for Anita Karen, who's sitting here right now. Like all these (laughs) stories that you got to kind of honor your family's history in that way is crazy. Crazy or meant to be. Yeah. We say besheret. It's a Hebrew yes, word, I right? Yes, I know the word, and yes. it really does have that feeling to it of like you're carrying it yeah. and bringing it forward through art. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So, so your parents meet. They have this collected history of immigration and, and a love of the arts, mm-hmm. both of them. Yes. Just first generation already finding storytelling. Yep. Um, and so when you and your sister come into this world, that's the world you're brought into. Yeah, I don't remember a world where I wasn't in the theater or on mm-hmm. the stage. I mean, I, the first time I was on a stage, I was probably six. And and are you singing now? And are you no, doing musicals? No, no, no. I was a clown, I think, in the first show um, that I was ever in. I didn't really understand the singing. I didn't have a proper voice lesson until I was in college. Okay, uh, By the way, they say Judy Kuhn, who's a dear friend, was saying that oh, I love Judy Kuhn. Oh. She's an angel person. Um, that that's actually good. That's what my yes. my parents, when I was in the back seat singing, they actually took me to uh, the college in that area and spoke with someone on their faculty mm-hmm. and said, you know, my daughter has a lot of promise. She's very young. What do you think we should do? Should we put her into voice lessons? And they said, absolutely not. Let her develop her her own voice. Right. And 
it they, I'm so glad they did that because I the one thing I can say about my instrument is that it sounds like no other. Yeah. Because they allowed me space. It's yours. Yeah. It's yours. So when you, you not Miami, where where in Florida? We were you? Central Florida, so uh, Lakeland, Winter Haven area. And are you seeing other mixed race? Oh God, kids? No, 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 no. Are you feeling like where am I? Like a Twilight Zone episode. Most of the kids that I went to school with. Uh, when I got to grade school, thought that I was I was considered African American because mm-hmm. I was the darkest kid they'd ever seen. Right. Um, they knew nothing of my culture. Um, I'd come from New York, where color was never an issue. Exactly. Um, and immediately was thrown into a very racially uh, tense environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and found obviously theater was the only place that I felt comfortable and accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is the most, I mean, that's like, that's the story for most kids in yes. the theater. We go there as a haven. Yes. And was your church, did you, did your family find a church in Florida that also kind of housed your kind of worship and, I don't know, goodness? Well, you know, it's funny. We, when we left New York, they left that church for a number of reasons. They, they did not agree with where they were going. And we looked at many different churches. Mm-hmm. I remember my grandmother was uh, Catholic, and so I went a lot of times with her to Mass. It was all in Spanish, and I did not speak Spanish, right. but I understood. You did not? Your parents no. did not speak Spanish, Well, you Spanish know, if, you're, if your mother comes from another country and doesn't speak English and is thrown into New York City school system to learn, you promise your, your child that she will know the language of the country. Right. Right. So they were very, they were dead set on my sister and myself before I have, I have four, uh, three siblings, okay. but the other two had not arrived yet. They were, they wanted us to be American kids, mm-hmm. claim this is the place that you were right. born. It was very important this to culture, them. culture, this language, this yeah. place. Did your parents speak Spanish with each other? Yes. Okay. So they had their secret language going well, on. Well, we understood yeah. it. You know, and you my just grand- couldn't speak it. Yeah. My grandparents, too, uh, would speak to us in Spanish, and we would answer in English. So it was always in the household. Mm-hmm. That's why my accent is really great. Yes. Um, but it was not something that we were really encouraged until much later on in life. So when to take you say on. you got to the theater and suddenly, which is a classic story for, for so many people where what made them feel different was suddenly the thing that helped them shine in mm-hmm. this new community. Were there, was there any diversity or was it just a kinder culture? It was a kinder culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first time I actually saw someone who looked like me, I had already been doing theater in, uh, I was well into high school. Okay. And were you doing all the musicals and all yeah, the things Yeah, I was doing everything. School? And I was, you know, because my my father was directing sometimes and writing for some shows. I found myself doing props. I found myself, you know, I was working concessions. I was doing lighting. I was, you know, costumes, everything. That is why anyone who you mention your name to in the theater community, from the stage doorman to the union guys, everybody loves you oh. because of the way you respect Every single job that goes into the making of something. Absolutely. Because you've done it and understand that it all it's all equally of importance to make the thing. Oh, yeah. It doesn't happen with all of the departments. Honestly, I'm, the only reason I'm in the theater 
is so I can get into local one. Mm-hmm. That's like my, that's like my. <laughs> I could just get you a t-shirt. Little known fact. Yeah. Karen's only doing Moulin Rouge. So one day someone will let her into local one. How do, do we make that like, happen? Do you want to like be putting the curtain up and I down? Will, what you do don't understand. Do? I will do anything. Okay. I've, I've really tried to like take over jobs backstage already. I right. know you've seen the show. Yeah. I have like four seconds. I don't know when that But in those be. four seconds. I assumed you were going to the bathroom. No, I don't know. There's no bathroom breaks for me. <laughs> I'm definitely trying to find something that I can pick up and move. And so you're going to get in trouble. I will. Yes, yes. you're right. Yes. But they'll see that I'm doing it really well and yeah. maybe they'll give me a card. We'll see. I mean, we know these are like these are generations of families <laughs> who take up the like it is hard to get in, man. But if anyone can do it, it is you. I love that. I get it. I get it. There's so many. Well, well part of your narrative in, in the story, both that you've told and that, you know, it's sort of the. The story, right, is that she decided at some point she was going to stop acting for a Mm -hmm. while um, on her own terms. And I think that, you know, that's very exciting for people to think about, but you really did it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get to that because it sounds like you've you created a space for yourself to have time to try other things, because once you started, you were like on a moving train. Mm -hmm. So so you went to a performance-oriented college mm-hmm. for singing? For musical for theater. musical theater. Yeah, I went to CCM, so Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and did you audition for a lot of schools? Or I auditioned that... for two schools. CCM was the only school that I could get into because it was a conservatory, and I think the other one I auditioned for might have been Ithaca, mm-hmm. but my grades were not good enough. Okay. Um, I had a great uh, professor in, um, in high school who who sort of saw that this was the one thing that I was going to do Mm -hmm. and found a way for me to get into college. So a lot of my friends who've been on the show, um, both like contemporaries or, or, or much younger, like girls in jagged little pill now, like sort Mm -hmm. of wherever they are talk about like this unbelievable confidence they had and certainty at 12 and 13 that, like Nikki M. James was like, I don't know where that went, right? Like the ways yeah. in which, <laughs> like, how did, if I could have half of that back now, like the certainty, like, so yeah. it's a fat, it's kind of an interesting part of it is just innocence, right? Like, I love doing this thing. Mine is different. Mine so is tell not me your that. story. Well, mine is, mine is based from, I, I have a, um, although from what I've told you about my family history, it actually is, um, it's pretty checkered. Okay. So there's there's a lot of darkness. There's mental mental illness. There's some abuse in there. And throughout that time, um, you know, theater sort of offered me a place to express all of that stuff, the okay. emotion to process. So in your home life, it was super complicated for yeah. all the reasons that you're talking about. Right. And is this something you can voice at the time or that you're talking about or or is this all secret for you at the time? At the no, I, I had no idea that no that other people didn't live the kind of life that I mm-hmm. lived until I went to college. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that um the you know, the things that I found to be normal at home were abnormal. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we talk about a drive um when we have, you know, if you've, you've done, I'm sure you've done some reading on like childhood trauma, the things that keep kids safe sometimes end up being things like uh, this sort of um, survivor mentality, mm-hmm. the fight and flight. I'm definitely the fight. And 
I've never really lost the edge, that edge that I have. Right. But as I get older, I realize, oh, I don't necessarily need that as much because I have words now. Yeah. I have compassion. I have intelligence. I understand that was the past and this is the present. But I think for a lot of younger kids who don't have that, it become it, it can be considered this sort of arrogant or like um, uh, ignorant sort yeah. of confidence. Right. Mine was I have to get out of these circumstances. Right. This is the one thing that I know that when I do, I am considered worthy and I'm safe. Mm-hmm. And so it became a survival instinct uh, rather than a dream of one day being right. on Broadway. Right. It's not pink and glittery. Oh, it's no. Like I, uh, it's escape. Yeah, it's and the buoy. Safety. It uh-huh. was my buoy. And and luckily, you had the talent. Yeah. And and it sounds like someone, a, a grown-up who was safe and did guide you mm-hmm. in the right direction, in this teacher, perhaps, yes. who was like, you could do this, and this is where you can audition. And, yes. Walked huh. me, I mean, handheld walked me to the office to send in my transcript, was like, Mm -hmm. you must do this. This is your path to getting out of your circumstances. And so, yeah, I mean, I owe a lot. Her name is Victoria Wirtz, by the way, Um, who I owe a lot to her for seeing a kid who was struggling, but noticing that she really worked hard Mm -hmm. at her craft and Mm -hmm. loved it um, and getting getting me out of there. And you did. Yeah. And you're in Cleveland uh, uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, the Cleveland of Ohio. The Cincinnati of Ohio. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so you're in – I haven't spent a lot of time in Ohio. It's okay. Although it seems to be uh, a, a cauldron of talent of sorts. Oh, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean there are a lot of people who went to that school or yes. came out of there oh, yeah, yeah, and, there are, and of are thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, while you're there, people have a lot of different – feelings about conservatories and and arts programs mm-hmm. um did you find that it was a place where they tried to uh tell you who you were or gave you room to discover who you were they absolutely tried to put me in um a box mm-hmm. and you know they tried um i mean and i don't fault them because that there's it's a are, system yeah that's yeah. the model yeah pretty much um, they tried because of my height. Chorus girl was what they immediately sort of uh, put imagined me, for you. Yeah, yeah, and I. But I'm so bad at learning choreography, and I, I have, don't believe you. Oh gosh! But but, but I just saw you. Mm, okay, I know you're not a liar. I, 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 well, you learned how to. You learned how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, now I, I know how much, how many hours right. I need to put in, right. so I can look normal. Yes, yes, but that's important. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, it didn't work out for me. There was always something. I always wanted to be a little bit deeper than than what they expected. Yeah, of you or for you. And also, the you know the the workload never made sense to me. Um, I wanted to be able to tell the story not in a, a dance break. Mm-hmm. I wanted to tell the story throughout. Right. So uh, I I fell out of favor. I think in a lot of ways with some of my professors because I I refused to conform, but. Um, at that time, I, there were so many other professors in the acting department that noticed that I was really searching for truth in in acting. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, my singing was not up to snuff or my dancing was not up to snuff, I was still telling the truth when I would get on stage and do a monologue. Right. So uh, with a combination of all of those professors, I, I got to a point where um, 
I was polished enough to go out and audition in the world. <laughs> and you came to New York at some point. I came to New York. I did not finish my senior year. I auditioned for Rent shortly after it had opened. And is that like through backstage? Like how are you? Oh, I had a, a great friend. His name is Chris Nichols. I think he's still in the business. He might be an agent or something like that now. He had the soundtrack of Rent. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you have to hear this because... Because it's the greatest thing ever. And also like... I, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard yourself? Yeah, and this I was is your like, show. What do you mean? He's, yeah, and I heard out tonight, and I thought, oh my god! And then he showed me the right. pamphlet, and I was like, I don't understand. Look like. yeah. I was like, they're, they're, that's my, that's me. Yes, these are my people. Yes. So we, uh, I think it was over Christmas break. It was back in the days where you could still sleep out on the street to, to, to see, see the show. Yeah, and we did that two nights in a row. I got front row, center. Is it the original cast? The original cast. The best. Yeah. Um, And I remember actually at intermission, I turned to him and I was like, I'm going to be in the show. And he was like, yeah, me too. And I was like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. (laughs) No, I'm going to be in the show. I'm really going to be in the show. And then I ended up shortly afterwards, we found the first open call. It happened to be in Toronto. We skipped class. Kids don't do that. Um, uh, We skipped class. Listen to Andy (laughs) Carrot. This is just a story. Yeah. We skipped class. We drove to Toronto in his oh car. God. I auditioned. I made it all the way to final callbacks of the Toronto company. And I remember Michael Greif looking at me at my final callback saying, you're an American. What are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And I said, I wanted to be in the show. I'd go wherever. And so shortly after that, um, it was the summer before my senior year started. They called me and they said, do you want to come and be a swing on Broadway? What? Yep. And so I was like, uh-huh. And at that time, it, it, it sounds so silly. Maybe this is where that sort of, um, not arrogance, but that confidence comes in. I saw something on stage. I claimed it. I was mm-hmm. like, that's mine. Mm-hmm. And then I just went, I went through the stages of working really hard to make sure that if the opportunity arose, I would be able to capitalize on it. So were you someone who, from a young age, were able to handle nerves as you got closer to the thing you wanted? Oh, I mean, I, would, I don't know. Handle is the best term, but I can mask any anything. Mm-hmm. A child of conflict. Yep. I've, I, on a cellular level, I know how to get you to believe whatever I need you to believe so that... So that we're good. Yeah. Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. The ways in which these, um, these horrors can can become become gifts that that truly. serve us right like truly become gifts like not that we would ever wish it on anyone but at least there's this other there's this other outcome oh it's incredible as an adult i mean years of therapy yeah. i see it as the gift it is an absolute gift mm-hmm. and you know all parties are now rehabilitated and everything is great and everything is fine and it's all been sort of in the wash and so there's no reason to look at it as a negative Mm -hmm. it was just um it was my path to get where i needed to be man but when i think about like alison bechdel's you know fun home the roles that you've done and and now just even knowing the gift of you sharing even a little bit of your truth which is so generous of you um just seeing how there have been these channels to create beautiful art and to allow other people to access the feelings within themselves or the hopefulness for themselves that these parts that you're doing are, are, are just conveying to people uh, 
it's kind of mind blowing. Anything that happens traumatic to a child, yeah. you think the first thing, put them in therapy, right? Yeah. But also, what if you they can't afford therapy? Then you put them in the theater, right? Where they but can not understand. Everyone has that opportunity, yeah, exactly. And and You're right. And sadly, in our country. Uh, the arts, the funding for these programs in the communities that need it most, mm-hmm. um, who don't have access to therapy or insurance or any of the things. So so that's the thing that's so um, disheartening. Oh, absolutely. Uh, is that to know what you're saying is the truth, you know, as sure as you have eyes in your head and going, but I can't make sure that everybody has that. And and so that's a message also for all of us to just keep fighting for that, that oh. everybody has that. So you get to New York. So when you're a swing, who is it still the original company or who are you working with? Uh, and do you the... go on? Oh, yeah. In, in, in the parts that you loved? Uh, no, I the, no, I didn't go on. The first time I went on, it was not the part that I loved. It was the hardest ensemble track. It was the Alexi Darling track. Right. Which is horrifying. Yeah. But it was most of the... And all that had to be in your head at once, which is... It's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was all of the original company with, I think, three company members had left by then. Okay. Um, but was I mean, it welcoming? Like, here's this family you wanted was. to be in. Was it okay? You know, it's funny. That My was first, a crazy machine. It was a machine by then. Yeah. Um, and I was stepping onto a very, very fast-moving train. Yeah. Uh, and I was – the one thing that I knew was that I could do the work – and uh, my job was not to be friends with people. Mm-hmm. My job was to get on stage and finish the job. And that was what I ended up doing. My first, I'll be honest, my first time on stage, on a Broadway stage, I did try to leave. Mm-hmm. I got scared. Mm-hmm. The opening number where everyone sort of floods the stage as the monologue was happening and Anthony was like, you know, doing that iconic opening monologue, I started like tiptoeing backwards wow. to leave the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, Mark Setluck, I'll never forget, was standing behind me. He was playing, um, he was uh, he was Toby's part. What is the name? Gordon. Mm-hmm. He put his hand on the small of my back, partially to like, you're not going any further. You have mm-hmm. to stay. And I got you. Like, we're going to do this. And then I stayed. And then I did the rest of the show. And then it, you know. I ended up covering uh, five women. Right. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Those moments, right, oh, of, of little, like, beautiful. people seeing you. Yeah. Um, so how does In the Heights happen? In the Heights happens because... Uh, like, do you have an happen? agent? At some point yeah. you get an agent. Something happens. You have, you're starting your professional career. Right. Rent, rent is the beginning of that. So long ago. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. I did, I did have an agent. Yes, I had a very good agent, actually. Now I'm thinking about it. I, was, I think at the time I was with, like, Gersh. Right. And then they gave me a demo of Lynn's show. And I heard it. I remember being on the subway listening to it. And I got off and I got above ground and I said, I have to be in the show. Mm-hmm. Much like I love when you rent, say that. I have to do this. <laughs> and it. then um, it was just w- waiting to get into the room. And the, my first audition for that show was the day that I met Lynn and Tommy. I met both of them in the same uh-huh. day. And it, it's like a workshop or a reading? Like, what does it, was it for start? A workshop okay. that we did at 37 Arts before we actually did the off Broadway production that ended up being at 37 arts it was a dance audition so to my horror <laughs> i know you love that oh, god. it's your favorite oh god yeah but it, yeah y- you that was a heavy dance show it was and you 
looked amazing. Oh well. And and thanks. That um, did that part sort of change and get tailored for you as you were going through it because it felt so seamless to be audience to it felt like you're channeling such truth. Yeah. You know, I this is the the gift of Tommy and Q, Kiara and um Lynn. Kiara and, wrote the book. Yes. Kiara Huda, sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no. But, but she it's funny in the in the like legend of it, she doesn't get enough. That's true. Uh, so true. thank you for saying her yes. name. Um all of them are very gr- they're so good at seeing what they've amassed and then picking and choosing from that. And one of the things that I think is was not fully realized before I came on was like the tough exterior of Vanessa. Like Vanessa's the hottest girl that doesn't realize that she's necessarily hot. Mm. Like she doesn't she doesn't revel in the fact that she's hot. She uses it as a tool to get what she needs. And it it's not um <sighs> I don't know. It, it's it's not an egotistical sort of awareness. It's just like, well, this is, you know, this is one of the other tools in my toolbox. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I brought. Mm-hmm. A very, very hard edge, um, uh, a feeling of being one of the guys, but in the shortest skirt and the highest heels possible. Right. So it feels like to those of us who who... I don't know, just get to revel in the fact that we're alive at the same time that, that you're all alive doing this, <laughs> this thing for us. Um, it feels like a family is born. There really is, uh, I mean, when I was watching you and Mandy, like a sisterhood and a brotherhood and a familial, um, that must have felt great. Oh, well, it's- I mean, you can't tell a story about yourself and your your ancestors and not think immediately about community Mm -hmm. not to mention that the show is about family and Mm -hmm. finding family in different places and finding a home and making that your home and we were all of these people that had never had true representation of this caliber on a Broadway stage doing it for the first time together and uh, that is a moment that will never be duplicated for me right and when you do something like that it does build this kind of weave between you and we've all managed to stay together in some capacity yeah over the years Um, you see us at others openings you see you know it just is yeah we just are they're still my brothers they're still my sisters it doesn't and you all have access to each other yeah so you won a Tony. So In the Heights wins a Tony for being an incredible show. Yes. And then you go on to do West Side Story, mm-hmm. which I can only imagine uh, had already been a part of your life. You knew about it. You It must have been something you listened to as a young person. Or I, I am asking you, I guess. Like yes. That, were you familiar with that? Absolutely. I mean, I the first time that I even knew that there was a place called Broadway was when I saw they were showing West Side Story, the movie on TV. I remember I was young enough that I was still in New York. Mm-hmm. And my father. Too little. Yeah. I saw America and I saw Rita Moreno and I was like, what? My whole my brain exploded as a little kid. And my father explained to me, like, you know, that stuff that we do at the church, all of that, there's actually like a place where they people do this and get paid. And that could be your job. Wow. And at that point, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Yes. (laughs) So Rita Moreno, her depiction of Anita, that movie, that had a place in my heart that um, 
it started the whole story for me. And so when you get an audition, were you offered or did you audition oh, for Anita? I I ducked out of, I think, three auditions. Huh. They asked me, I said no. They asked me, no, I don't want to touch that. It's, you know, I, I revere it so much that yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. even approach it. Yeah. And then it got to the point where I was, the. I, this is what I was told. I don't know if this is actually true. You're the only girl in New York we haven't seen for this role. Mm. Can we just, can you come in so we can cross you off the we list? We just want to see you. Yeah. We just haven't even seen you yet. All right, I'll walk on the stage, and then I'll keep walking. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but then by that time, they were a week away from the show actually going into rehearsal. So they were under the wire. And I remember we had just won the Tony yeah. at In the Heights. Yeah. Um, what a we, great night. I mean, we had just spent, like, one summer being, like, we just, I can't believe we actually pulled it off, you know? Yeah. I was still doing the show every night as Vanessa, loving it, loving my castmates. And then I went in for the, the audition, and I remember, I told them immediately, the dancing's going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. So they set me up with someone. I auditioned with just the the, choreo the assistant choreographer. She taught me America. And then I went in, and I did the sides and sang the song for Lynn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um... um and uh, the producers and um, Arthur Lawrence and, you know, David Saint. And that was, there was a moment of like eerie, like I, I felt uh, a tingly sort of sensation in there. Arthur came up. I remember him giving me some, uh, some advice and saying, you know, can we try it this way? Mm -hmm. And I thought, sure. Arthur Lawrence. Arthur Lawrence, <laughs> yes. And then... I left and I thought, oh, that was really strange. Huh. And then shortly afterwards, Lynn came. We did the show that night and he was weird. He was weird with me. Why is Lynn <laughs> at your audition for West Side Lynn Story? did. He's everywhere, man. Look, I, I truthfully think that the reason I won the Tony has a lot to do with Lynn. I really think that he became my champion in a lot of rooms in which I was not there. Hmm. Um, I think that there is something about, I mean, you've met him before. He's, you're, you gravitate towards him. But I think that there was something about him vouching for me. He did the, the Spanish translations okay. for, for West Side Story. Um, he, he really did take me under his wing and showed me. How old me, are you at the time when this is all? 30, um, I want to say 33. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that he... I don't, I don't know where we were there. I, I think he just he he really did foster that whole thing, mm. um, and I just watched him lead our Broadway show and go through all of the mania of you know promoting a show and and being the face of a show. And so he was constantly the person I would be like, "What do I do? Yeah, how do I do this?" Um, so when you say he was weird that night at work, he was strange. He was like, a little aloof, like yeah, like yeah. You know, Lynn is Lynn can only be honest. Like he doesn't really have, he can't really do the other things. He can't. I don't think he's the best liar. Mm. Um, so it was very evident to me that there was like a little bit of a he was on the back foot a little, mm. and then shortly after that, I found out within four days I got the part and I would leave. Um, I think I auditioned maybe on a Thursday and on Sunday would be my last show as Vanessa and I would start Monday morning and as Anita. And was that really hard? It was, uh, it was the worst. It was uh -huh. the definition of bittersweet. Mm -hmm. 
like your dreams come true, but you have to leave everything that you love and everyone that you love. Right. And a show that you built and you're so proud of. Yeah. You can't wait to give to the New York theater community and people beyond. And you have to walk away from it because this other thing, the next chapter of your life mm-hmm. is, is calling you and you, you know it and mm-hmm. you have to go. Um, and you did. I did. And you were uh, in a position where uh, the community was allowed to tell you out loud how much we love you. Yeah. Um, and your speech was so beautiful. Thanks. I, do you ever watch it? Do you ever go back and watch I your Tony speech? You know, I'm I'm. I just started watching it again because I'm working on a documentary, and um, that was a clip in it. And a documentary about um, about artistry and those of us who do this and when we decide we don't want to do it and why we decide we don't want to do it and what it the toll that it takes um it's it's shocking to me how if you really look at it um i look very unhappy Uh i'm very sad i'm saddened by it right um there's a lot of shaking of my head interesting there's a furrowed brow the obvious tears yep um a, a complete disbelief a disbelief of what's happening. And how do you understand that now? I know that in the moment, uh, it was too much mm-hmm. for me. And so I, I retreated. I sort of, I, I think when things are too big, I, I'm really great with like when bad things happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the house is on fire, you want me. I do. You know I what I mean? Do. I yes. can figure it out. Yeah. Um, but when when celebratory things happen, I, I, I realize I lack the, the capacity to uh, to embrace them. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I sort of shifted into, no, this is not real. This is not real. This is not real. This can't be happening to me. This is a mistake. All of the negative sort of overtones that you would you would think. And it caused me to sort of uh, flip a switch in my brain. And say the things that I thought needed to be said for the moment, because I couldn't, I couldn't really internalize it. Um, which is, you know, that's a thing of youth, right? Mm-hmm. I hadn't, I hadn't undergone nearly as much therapy as I needed to at that point in my life. Right. And um, looking at it now, I'm like, oh, that's someone who's guarding her heart. Yeah. Because she thinks it might burst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's very scary. Yeah. And so. And so when you decided to take a moment for yourself, you fall in love with someone who lives in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, my husband's from Madison. We're there oh all the time. Goodness. I know what it is. I know. You know. I know, you know how it, it smells. My kids are always like, doesn't it smell better here? Isn't the air fresher? Everything's better. It's really beautiful. And and to get to know the Midwest in a way that is not like the cartoon version of it or mm-hmm. like, oh, the Fargo version yeah, of, of it. Course. But like um, the beauty of the land and the depth of the intellect and the kindness of the people. Um, I'm not a badger. I, I'm not a, a – I don't look great in red, so I'm not wonderfully suited for the red sweatshirts and the badger. Me either. <laughs> Um, I'm not I've learned to embrace uh, a state that loves its teams so much. I didn't understand like you marry into it. That's what it is. Got Mm -hmm. it. Um, So go Packers and go Badgers and all the things. But and great farmers market, just things that you don't even know. Yeah. But um, but we've never taken the fantasy of wouldn't it be amazing to like go back there. Mm -hmm. We've never done it. Um, and you did, yeah. Which it's not where you were from, so it wasn't no. going back to something, but it was a, a new adventure. 
for you. Well, in the same way that I've seen a, a piece of theater and I've said, that's what I want mm-hmm. or I'm going to be in that. Yeah. I, I saw a life that was unlike anything that I had seen before, um, an existence that I had imagined for myself. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, well, in the same way that I do everything, I'm just going to make it happen. I'm going to do it. Right. And that Full meant. Throttle. Yeah. I mean, I was bi-coastal at the, at the time. Right. And I was I had to leave L.A. because it was very toxic for me. Mm-hmm. And, and is that the Tony like the Tony turn? Like I want a Tony. Let's go to L.A. Let's get this. I got a TV a show. Right. I did an incredible TV show called Harry's Law with Kathy Bates for NBC, yeah. and it was the best TV show, um, best job TV job yes. I've ever had. And she's extraordinary. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, if I could go back and do it, I would do it all over again. I would work with her for the rest of my life. She's just so. She's such a queen. Um, Kathy. Thank you. <laughs> Just making sure you're listening. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, after that ended, you, when you have a job like that and then there's so many other TV jobs that keep coming along, mm-hmm. you realize uh, I feel like I might have peaked a little bit. I worked with the best executive producers and um, Bill D'Elia and just like people who were amazing, incredible human beings yeah. and you know, artisans and like, I was like, this is like what I want to do forever. But then that goes. Yeah. And then you're stuck with people who are not that are not that. And yeah. I was like, I got to get out of LA. And I knew New York, I didn't want to do New York because of the grind. And I understood that meaning, meaning the just how the grind of auditioning, the grind of being in a show eight times a week, like, what does that mean? Well, the, not necessarily the grind of doing a show eight times a week. But I knew that there was you know, I just, me being in L.A., um, I had just split up from my marriage mm-hmm. there. And to go back to New York had all of these trappings of what that marriage was, things that I did not, I, I could not really deal with. Okay. And he was also an actor, so it was just like every, right around every corner I would have been dealing with that. Yeah. And I also knew that I needed to take a break from giving to an audience when I felt so empty inside. Mm. And I knew that there was like, there's a period of regeneration that needs to happen before I ever try to do anything artistic worth any merit. So it it became very clear to me that to heal, I would have to look inward and stop giving things away. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, every time I had gone to Madison to visit my boyfriend at the time, I was just charged. Mm-hmm. I was optimistic I was everything was so hopeful um his family is incredible it was like a a tight-knit woven intellectual artistic group of people um they come from farmers and teachers Mm -hmm. and union you know people who are you know political just like everything that I that were that was feeding me and I thought well that's that's exactly where I'm supposed to be. That's yeah. the story that I need. Yeah. So I went there to build my life with this man that I fell in love with. And he had children. And he had two children, yes. How old were they when you God, Maddie first met them? Was maybe nine. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah. Alex had just I think he was just in first grade, maybe. Um So they're little. They were they were itty bitty ones. Mm-hmm. We did lots of visits with them before we we asked them whether or not um, I should move in, mm-hmm. and they were they said yes. So then we decided we could do it. Uh huh. That's a nice way to do it. Well, come on, right? Yeah. Well, 
come on, not everybody does. I know, I know. My husband is, he's an incredible father. So he was always like, here's what? Yeah. It's them. If they say yes, then I say yes. And I was like, all right. And so while you're there, uh, Fun Home becomes available. Right. And what an incredible opportunity. Yeah. You know, it was my sister-in-law's theater. She does, uh, she's a theater. Forward theater. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's an incredible theater company um, that I've been working with for a while on their advisory committee. And she said, you know, we're doing it. We'd like you to do it. And I was like, how could I say no to that? that so if if anyone uh, has never seen a photograph of Karen, go look at one because she's extraordinarily beautiful, but also has a very luxurious head of hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alison Bechdel is known for having uh, not long hair. Yes. So did you shave your head? I did. So I've always wanted to, and I never have, and I've never been cast in something that demanded it. Yeah. Uh, had you ever done that before? No. I've wanted to shave my head for a very long time, though. But you hadn't? Never. Until this? Yes, because it called for it. So was it as liberating as I fantasize it to mm-hmm. be? I you Was know, it intense having all face? Like, it's like... <laughs> you never know what it's going to be like. There's a scary like, moment. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> uh, I did half first. Yeah. And then when they did half and I saw the shape of my head, because that was the thing I was really afraid of. What's under there? I was like, who knows? Yeah. Um, I actually asked her to do the other side mm-hmm. and she said, no, I will not. Oh. She's like, she was a really smart yeah. uh, stylist. She said, I'm just going to do this one half. You're going to sleep on it and then you're going to come back tomorrow if you want the other side. Fair enough. And then, uh, then I did that. So then I just ended up having a bit of mohawk. Yeah. Well, from all accounts, it was... Um an extraordinarily beautiful. I've listened to a lot of it and, and have been um, in awe of the clips that I've seen and having like a mixed race cast and all the ways in which the story is already so open to so many and then adding the diversity factor to it. I just thought that's incredible. What That makes so much sense for that production and how gorgeous. Yeah, that was the brainchild of Jen Gray, my sister-in-law. Yeah. She was really smart about... Uh, wanting it to be about uh, something deeper than what you see, truthfully. I mean, there are so many things about uh, Allison's story that that involve artifice. And, you know, the entire time her father is trying to build this world mm-hmm. in this house so that he can seem a certain way. Yes. And underneath, everything is crumbling. And so she went even further. And she was like, what if we just, like, remove the idea that you guys have to look like each other? Right. And what if we just really rely on who you guys end up making these characters be? We worked a lot on physicality mm-hmm. and gestures mm-hmm. to link us. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, we weren't wearing the same color clothes or anything right. like that. We were um, we were very different, but we managed to weave the story together. And then you get a call to do Angelica Schuyler. Yeah. And are you like, huh? Well, I did Angelica Schuyler before that. But, oh, did you know Fun Home was on the horizon? Yes, I did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So are you, you're in Madison and your phone rings and uh, it's Lynn saying, hey. (laughs) No, I actually, I, my husband, I think we were in bed and my husband was like, you know, Hamilton's coming to Chicago. Mm. And, you know, for Madison, it's, it's a two and a half hour Mm -hmm. car ride. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. Without traffic. Without traffic, yeah. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, let's just, no construction on the yeah. road, you're good. Sure. Um, and so he was like, 
it's it's happening and I think I rolled over and I picked up my phone and I sent an email directly to Tommy and I said can I audition Mm -hmm. so you auditioned no I said can I audition and he was like no you can't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. I don't remember what he said. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he has a better, he has, you know, that steel trap in yes. mind. My I'm God. Sure. <sighs> My God. Also, I should just say, yeah. I, I had never heard your show before. Yeah. And when they sent me the, the thing about doing it, they sent me the link to Tommy's. Oh. And I was so... I'm so grateful that you had that with him because I've known Tommy in so many different ways. And to have him tell his story about growing up and his work with sports, I understand him on a completely different level. And it would not have happened had you not done this podcast with him. It was such a special conversation. Part of it was the only time we could figure out when to do it was like 8 a.m. on a Sunday. Exactly. And I was like, I can't believe he's coming. (laughs) I mean, I don't even want to (laughs) come. But he's like, if you are you up for that? And I was like, I'll bring some bagels for yeah. sure. And when he started with I'm an uncle first, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm in. Yeah. Like I'm in. I mean, I know he's a genius. I know there are things and levels in which and with which he thinks about things that I will never understand mm-hmm. because that's just not my gift. Right. Um, but on the human level, and the heart level, and then who he was growing up, and how that has translated into his gifts as a director and a leader, and then just all the stuff he does for organizations um, focusing on people in need mm-hmm. of all sorts of things. Oh my gosh. For me, it's like, great, so you've accomplished this great thing, and now you have our attention. What else can we, where do we go now? Right. right? And I feel like he's such an incredible example of like fine human being. And then that we spend 20 minutes talking about his hair care routine. I thought this is really the best day ever. <laughs> I mean, people, it's I'm important. You a gift. Have you seen those girls? It's very important. It's important. So yeah. before you go, because you have eight shows a week for the rest of your life, whatever <laughs> you choose to do, um, is there a little known fact about you that you can share? Little known that fact. That just pops in me. your head. It doesn't Gosh. have to be a big one. I, okay. I hate math so much that I will do anything in my power to not do it. Mm. So much so, um, like, I, and yeah, they're the people who, like, use the calculator. But I will, I will run from a situation that involves math. Okay. And because I've allowed that to happen my entire life, now anything that's timed, mm. if you give me, like, 10 seconds on the clock, Karen, name, you know, everyone in your family, right. I will not succeed at it. I I have created a maze in which I cannot get out of mm. because of that. And it all started with math. Right. Well, I will not ask you to name uh, the, the members of your family. I would fail. There is – this is a math-free zone. <laughs> the reason I do this podcast, I can't even believe you're saying this. Everything for me leads back to no math. So there's not a thing in my life, including this podcast, that isn't a direct result of my not wanting to be in a room where there's math. So you've come to the right place. Safe. I think it's important to say it out loud because we are not alone. We now know two members of this club. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, President and vice president. That's right. Welcome. <laughs> welcome to the no math zone. Karen, yes. thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you for having this me. It's been pure joy.
listeners of Little Known Facts. I'm Ari Venturi. And I'm Sophie von Hasselberg. And together, we are the hosts of Having a Night, a podcast dedicated to reviving the lost art of the dinner party. Sophie and I are obsessed with both the micro and the macro of the all-important question, how to throw the absolute supreme, no-holds-barred, remember-it-forever, unless you were too drunk, dinner party. We are two actresses, and we met in drama school And we realized that we had a shared love of entertaining, not only on stage, but off. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we haven't worked in professional kitchens. But guess what? We love to cook. We love to eat. We love to drink. We love to party. And luckily for us, all of our guests fill in the blanks of our knowledge. Thank God. We have incredible guests on our show. We've got David Tannis on from the New York Times. We've got Bianca Bosker, author of Cork Dork. We have Austin Power. Yes, that is his real name. He's a sake sommelier originally from Austin, residing in Brooklyn. So, <laughs> if you ever think about having people over for dinner and then you talk yourself out of it. Or if you have people over all the time and you want extra inspiration. Or if you just want to listen to two best friends wax poetic on the majesty of tahini, this is the show for you. I love that tahini. All right, guys, please follow us on Instagram. We are at Having a Night. And find our podcast anywhere podcasts are available. Thank you for listening. Now go throw a dinner party. Woo woo! Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Thank you to John Zaytoun, who is the talent coordinator for this episode. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City.